0: So these brands, you know, despite them kind of being phased out just by by new technology and not being able to adapt, these brands did have a brand voice and the people who loved those brands were also engaged in that brand voice because they saw themselves in those brands. Welcome back to the third episode of The Marketing Solution. My name is Shelby Page. So glad that you joined us. Today we're going to be talking about brand voice. So if you're just jumping in now and you didn't listen to the first two episodes, the first episode is where I talked a lot about how, uh, like the differentiation between a brand and a business and how a brand is going to have a higher lifetime value. It's going to have a lot more buy-in from your audience. Uh, In the second episode, I talked about content, how important it is to have content that doesn't just sell that audience. Today, we're going to be talking about brand voice, like I said. So when it comes to brand voice, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. Brand voice isn't just about your logo or your tagline or your target audience. The biggest mistake that people make with their brand is assuming that their brand colors is their brand voice or the way that they respond to emails is their brand voice. And really, it's just so much more than that. When it comes to a brand and comes to people participating with that brand, they expect a certain level of consistency, but really they're looking in a mirror. Your target audience is going to be exactly the person that you want to be for your brand voice. It's like the biggest mistake that people make when they're first establishing a brand is they try to sell themselves to the customer. The reality is your perfect customer, your customer is not everybody. We mentioned this before. Your perfect customer is going to want to breed familiarity within your brand. So if you are a fashion brand that's focusing a lot on um, like aesthetics and, and trying to sell a certain lifestyle, you're going to want to use the right emojis in your content. You're going to want to have brand colors that that give off this like love and aesthetic uh, like vibe. You're really going to want to engage your users in that because guess what? The emo girl and the tomboy, they're not going to be part of your brand. They're just not going to want what you have to offer. So instead of thinking that you can offer something to everybody, you really just need to go all in and assume that the audience that you're trying to reach wants to breed familiarity when they speak to you. They're going to want to see themselves in you. So, When figuring out who you are as a brand, the most important thing to consider, like I said, is your audience, your customer, the person who you want to purchase from you. And you're going to want to create an immersive experience within that brand, within your brand, so that you can like deeply define who that target audience is and define the experience that you want them to have all the way down to what happens when they message you. You know, if you're a fashion brand and you're selling that lifestyle, you're going to want to be on top of the lingo. You know, you're not going to want to, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, thanks for reaching out fellow citizen. That's, you know, a little too Superman, not really the fashion vibe that you're going for here. So When it comes to establishing your brand, the question is, how? You know, people come to me, Shelby, how do you establish your brand? No one's actually ever asked me that. But I think... <laughs> but we're asking today. But we're asking today because whether or not you were looking for it, I'm going to tell you because I want you to succeed, right? So, Shelby, how do you establish your brand voice? First, establish your target audience. You really have to think about here who your customer persona is, who you're trying to attract with these with these objects that you're selling or with this service that you're selling or this high-ticket item that you want people to commit to or this subscription-based model that you want people to... like have a long-term love for. If you want those repeat customers, you've got to define your target audience. Um, should seem really simple. A lot of people think that it's you know kind of for everybody it really isn't there are a couple of brands that have had full fledged market saturation that seems like they are for everybody so we will talk about those brands and kind of what they do differently to establish themselves right and what would they were able to do to dominate their market let's take apple versus android right uh google's kind of taking a little bit of that market share away at this point but um really like the google pixel falls under that android ios system or android uses I o- google operating systems so the point is it does get very confusing yeah <laughs> uh the 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 point is like most people have a very distinct very like uh, extreme feeling towards one of these two brands and the difference is it comes down to the feel of these brands, the look and feel of the interfaces between them. So Apple Apple is considered like an innovator, right? They try to push the boundaries of iPhones, smart tech. When they have a release, they turn it into this giant press conference you know, that everyone's tuned into and they have brand loyalty, obviously, through the roof. What does Apple do for their brand to attract people? They attract people that... Um, want like an ease of use for their interface. And they attract people by realistically um, having an ease of use across devices. This is more of an innovator strategy because this is the first time that a brand has really decided that like all of their devices are going to talk together and they're going to almost exclude people who don't use those devices and, and polarize people who don't participate in their brands. So if you've ever seen that meme where people are like, Oh, if they have a green box in their text message, we're gonna block them. Like that's that's an Apple user for you. That's someone who is deeply dedicated their, to their brand. On the other hand, on on the outside of an ease of use and innovator strategy that Apple has for their brand, Android, Android has a um like a tech forward audience. Android users customiz customization and the ability to utilize their in their interface like more um like more in depth right so an android user might say might also be a pc user as opposed to like a mac user they're going to be someone who wants to deep like intimately know their operating system, be able to identify bugs within their computer on their own. They're going to be considered more tech-savvy people. And so they're going to fall under more of an authoritative brand. Uh, Android users aren't trying to play to an ease of use. They're trying to play towards a... an audience that is more technical, you know, an audience that that likes the specialization that Android has to offer. These two brands have obviously taken over. They are like absolutely giants. If you guys remember back in the day, before <laughs> before interfaces were um, like touchscreen, there were hundreds of different options for fo- for phones. You know, the Razer at some point had a really great brand voice they brought it back too they did bring it back they tried to bring it back with those flip phones they were fun you know but the, the but for example like the razor although they they no longer have much of the market share they their brand voice was more based off of um uh like a sleek and uh what's the word i'm looking for like, romantic feel to them. Uh, razors came in different colors. Razors uh, were known as, like, the thinnest phone of their time. And they, I mean, they did a really good job of, at the time, um, like, taking over what they were looking for. Um what they were looking for—that didn't make any sense. They did a really good job of taking over part of the market back in the day. You know, when I was in middle school, um, everyone had a razor. That was like the big thing. And then the Sidekick came out, and they were more of like the rebel phone. They had a brand voice. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> they had a brand voice that was really based off of this like rebellious persona. it in the back of class. Oh yeah, you know, you flipped it open and had the whole, uh, the whole keyboard. That whole keyboard was there specifically for uh, this like cutting edge technology. You know, specifically for texting. Back in the day, uh, the razor, you know, kind of fell behind technologically because you had to click like three times to get to the letter H or. <laughs> Something like that. So so these brands, you know, despite them kind of being phased out just by, by new technology and not being able to adapt, these brands did have a brand voice. And the people who loved those brands were also engaged in that brand voice because they saw themselves in those brands. Whether they were uh, the the lover, the romantic razor user that had to have the hot pink phone, you know, the, the aesthetic based phone, the very like Victoria's Secret of the phones. Or they were the skateboarder, the rebel, the... Slap your friends with your, you know, like kick out phone, (laughs) things like that. Even, like I said, Android and Apple, the only two uh, operating systems that kind of like exist nowadays, they both cater to a specific audience and you see that brand loyalty pouring through. There are people that would never not have an iPhone and there are people that would never switch to iPhone from Android. That is uh, like brand loyalty completely defined by your brand persona. Now, um... I'm going to I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you guys something honestly. I get a lot of my brand knowledge from this giant branding company that works with like pretty much all the Fortune 500 companies. They're called like, Iconic Fox. I will uh, link their brand guide in this episode because it is really exhaustive. They have such a good list. They explain things like uh, like how Disney's brand is is more of a magician archetype and the importance of these archetypes in psychology. But um, Actually, we'll probably do a part two with episode four because honestly, psychology plays such a big role in your brand. The most important thing that you have to remember when it comes to building out your brand persona is one, it is very important. Like, do not neglect this whatsoever. It's really going to be um, like difficult for you to saturate your market if you take uh, more of a stereotype approach as, a, as opposed to an archetype. And and two, um, your brand persona is going to reflect in your target audience. Is that what I just said? Kind of, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, in the, so many words. In so many words. And two, you really need to establish this brand voice to have this brand loyalty, almost like undying brand loyalty in your audience. So, um, a couple of questions to ask yourself Who is your target audience? What do they want? What are their actual genuine desires in this world? And and who do they want to be? There's always a slight difference, right, between who they are and who they want to be. And that's where you come in. You as a brand fill that gap and you teach people how to become their best selves with your brand in mind. Your brand is a tool to help them see the version that they want to be in the mirror. That's what your brand persona is. That's what you have to ask yourself. How your product helps solves a problem with your target audience. Define your target audience and you can define your brand. That's going to be the way to do it, folks. And I'll- The way to do it, folks. Folks. And I will, like I said, we'll do a part two Like I said, definitely this next episode, just so that we can uh, get a little bit more in detail with some more examples outside of Android, Apple, Razer, and Sidekick. Although, hey, it made me feel a little nostalgic. How about you? Yeah, it was a fun throwback. (laughs) Um, But there's some other big box brands that use a lot of these archetypes and use uh, psychology to identify their audience. We're going to get into it in that next episode. I keep these short for you, not for me. I could talk about this absolutely forever. I'm Shelby Page, and this is The Marketing Solution. See you on the next one. And...